Voices of Hope is a podcast of New Hope Presbyterian Church in Castle Rock, Colorado. New Hope is a church that puts people first. Our Sunday worship is on site and online at 9.30 a.m. And you can listen to our sermons and podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any popular podcast platforms. This week, Pastor Jordan concludes our series of New Hope at the Movies with the movie stories we tell. Scripture comes from Psalm 78, 1 through 4. Read by Dan Hodge. Our reading today is from Psalm 78, verses 1 through 4. Listen, my people, to my teaching. Tilt your ears toward the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a proverb. I'll declare riddles from days long gone. Ones that we've heard and learned about. Ones that our ancestors told us. We won't hide them from their descendants. We'll tell the next generation all about the praise due the Lord and his strength, the wondrous works God has done. Uh, We're continuing or uh, ending our At the Movies series uh, today. And this is what we've been doing during the summer from July until now. And it's been, I've had fun with this one, uh, but Looking after next week, I have this slight idea of maybe a two-parter series about uh, stories in scripture that we don't talk about much that are hard, that are ones you read and you're like, why is that in the Bible? Uh, So that may be next, but for this, our last uh, movie we're talking about today is Stories We Tell. But before we get to that, I want to talk about uh, the book of Psalms first, uh, before we get into the topic of the, the movie. And... The Psalms are one of the, that book of the Bible that a lot of us maybe see, we take a piece of the scripture, slap it on something, and say, that's beautiful. Uh, And it's because there's songs, poems, and prayers in there. There's 150 Hebrew songs and poems in the Psalms, and written by different people. Majority by King David, 73 of them. Asaph, there's 12, which the one we read today came from Asaph, and then the sons of Korah. Heman and Ethan, Solomon and Moses, and then there's 49 of them that are anonymous. We don't know where they came from or who wrote them. That is the book of Psalms, and it is a very large book. Uh, It's broken up into two different things. Lament. There's songs and poems about lament, about prayers of pain and confusion and anger with the world, trying to make sense of what's going on and God's place in it, our place in it. And then the, uh, that's kind of a lot of the first half of the Psalms. And then the second half turns into praise, prayers of joy and celebration and retelling the story and thanking God for the story that God has given us, reminding ourselves that God has been faithful in the past, God will be faithful in the future as well. And then it's kind of broken up into these five different books. So the first book within the Psalms Uh, talks about the call to covenant faithfulness. So calling God's people back to this covenant that was made between God and God's people with the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. It also talks a lot about David's elevation as a king and a promise of Zion for the people of God. Then book two moves into talking about a hope for a future return to the temple in Zion and the future reign of a messianic king that one day there will be this messianic king that will come and save the people of God uh, in ways in which 
they didn't quite understand just yet. Book three uh, then talks about the promise of the messianic kingdom. So that not that just that there's a messiah coming, but that a new kingdom would be established. And then that's up against this whole time that the people of God are now in exile, and it's the downfall of David's kingdom. So all through the Psalms, it's not all um, wonderful for King David, but at one point, exile comes along, and that's the time where the people of God are really kind of, like any of us, we would be uh, not in a good place. So that book is pairing those two things together. There's this promise, but this is our reality right now. Book four, which by the way, book three is where uh, the scripture today came from, uh, within the book three, and our scripture does talk about remembering God's promises to us. Book four talks a lot about mercy and the Moses going up on Mount Sinai and receiving mercy from God then and how, how the people of God worship a golden calf while he was up there and how there's still mercy after that. And then also how the Lord reigns as king. And not just over a particular kingdom, but over all of creation, all of the cosmos, everything we see, everything we experience, God is king over all. And then book five. The Messianic King defeats evil and brings God's kingdom. So the book of Psalms, which we often will look at, like I said, when we take a piece of scripture, we slap it on a nice painting or, or a sculpture or something, uh, and that's what we tend to use it a lot for, but the book of Psalms is telling a story, and that's what these different books within it are conveying. It's moving the people of Israel from this point to here and showing the future hope in front of them. So let's not dismiss the Psalms for a book that's just a collection of things and not really telling a story because it is telling a compelling story for the people of Israel and I think maybe a compelling story for us as well because we repeat patterns as people. We do the same things that we see in scripture time and time again. The people of Israel were rescued by God, liberated, and then eventually became oppressors They were freed from oppression, then they became oppressors, then there's exile, they're oppressed again. We tend to do this as humans, right? We tend to have these moments where we are opening the table more and more because we knew what it was like to be restricted and God liberated us. But then over time, we start to restrict that once again. And we become the monster or the same problem that we tried to uh, run away from. So that's kind of the, the pattern of the story of humanity and the Israelites. So what does that have to do then with our movie today? The movie is Stories We Tell. It's a documentary from, um, I think it's 2012 and, uh, or 2014, somewhere around there. Which, by the way, this morning I went to King Supers to pick up the communion bread and overheard a conversation with some workers and they said, oh, it was almost like a decade ago on this uh, a woman said, oh yeah, 2014. I was like, 2014 was a decade ago almost? <laughs> that hurt. That hurt. So, uh, <laughs> so I think maybe it was 2014. So this movie, technically to the, to, to the youngins, is old. All right? So it's a documentary about a family, and Sarah Polly is the director, and it's about her family, and about a story within her family. And like last week and the week before, 
Here's the trailer so you get a better idea of what the movie's about. Can you describe the whole story in your own words? What? <laughs> the entire story? I guess I better pee first. I'm interested in the way we tell stories about our lives, about the fact that the truth about the past is often ephemeral and difficult to pin down. Well, I guess if you could start by describing Mom in as much detail as possible. My memory of Mom is she was a fun person at parties, that she laughed loud. Michael was a private person, and Diane was not a private person. She yearned for more. She was very warm, you know, full of life. But I do think it's really interesting to look at this one thing that happened and how it's refracted in so many different ways. What I overheard was mom saying that she was pregnant and that she wasn't sure who the father was. I was like 13 and my sister first told me, you know, your dad's probably not your real dad. I remember we talked about how you didn't look like dad and dad joked about it. Someone thought your father might be someone that mum had acted with in a play. You might want to meet up with Harry Gawkin. He can probably shed more light on the possibility of your mother having had an affair with a member of the cast. You asked him the question, have you ever heard anything about my mum having had an affair? Was it Tom or Wayne? Or Jeff. Was there ever anything romantic in your relationship with mom or was it always just friendship? What about you? I sat there in abject silence. My God, we've been joking about all this stuff for years. Forget about me. She spent her whole life looking for love and I remember feeling really happy that she had found love and that she'd been loved that much. Is this the tsunami she unleashed when she went? And all of us still flailing in her wake? What about her? How ironic it is that the final revelation of its aftermath have brought Sarah and I closer together. What about her? So it's a movie about a story and a truth that has been unveiled uh, after the mom had passed away from cancer years ago. And uh, the, it's funny that this happens to a family that the youngest daughter, who's kind of right in the middle of the story, is a filmmaker. And so she's trying to work this out through this documentary film. She, at the beginning of the movie, when she sits down members of the family, she kind of calls it an interrogation rather than an interview. Interrogating to try and get at the truth and what really happened. Because within a family that large, everybody has a different story about what went on. All of you maybe experience this in your own families or extended families, that stories over time sometimes become big myths, right? That if you were actually there in the moment, it wasn't as big as the, the uncle tells it, right? Uh, that it becomes something different on its own. And so she's, she's learning about the different stories from the different family members. Also, people who aren't part of the family, friends of their mother, friends, uh, and the possible... Um, uh, I don't know what you call them, not mistress, uh, but the people that could be her father, right? So she's interviewing all of them to find out what is really the truth here. And I think stories are something we are all compelled 
towards. Stories are, stu- are things that help move our heart, help change our perspective. That's why we've been doing this series at the movies, because it's the power of story. And how the power of story in film or books or wherever, it can help us see from a different perspective. It can help us have more empathy in ways that we didn't before. Stories help us do that. So when she talks about it as interrogation, one of the things that popped into my mind, thinking of scripture and talking about the book of Psalms, when I said sometimes we just take scripture from that and slap it on something and say it's beautiful, uh, sometimes when we do things like that, that's very biblical literalism, it misses all those different pieces throughout history whether it's what, did, what was the context of the time that the biblical writers, what they were talking about to their audience, who was their audience, what was going on in the world. Uh, we lose that with biblical literacism, literalism. And, and then also 2,000 years worth of church history, right? 2,000 years worth of church history and interpretation and changing of words within the Bible, interpreting and translating things could maybe get a little messy, could get a little lost. We do rely upon the Holy Spirit to guide us and all that, but things can happen, things can fall through the cracks. So maybe we should take a different approach like the, the filmmaker of this movie in interrogating scripture in a way. Interrogating it and figuring out what exactly was going on, how can we take that, how does it apply to our lives today in the best way possible? rather than trying to look at an English translation that's been translated hundreds of times over and over again and saying that's what it says. It helps to get a broader picture, just like Sarah Pauly is doing in this movie. It's not just her experience and her story she's telling about her family, but it's all the different people that are involved. So it creates a broader, more rich story in front of them. The biblical writers uh, often use stories, parables, metaphors to get, convey things because information only goes so far, right? Information only goes so far. And I think we see that in our world today in different ways as well. We can always say, you know, why doesn't somebody understand this? The, the facts or the, the information is sound. Well, because that's just information to our brains. But if you tell a compelling story, Then we get it. Then we start to latch on. So then the question becomes, who's telling the most compelling story in our world, our society, our culture, our politics? Whatever it is, we're all telling a story about who we are, where we're going, where we came from. And we try to use those to influence those around us. So like in the Bible, it it doesn't just say, Jesus doesn't just say God's love is boundless. Instead, he tells the story of the prodigal son. And then it creates a whole new meaning for us. It feels deeper. It doesn't say try to influence the community around you for good, but it does state we are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So the Bible even uses stories because it knows the spirit and the personality of humanity that we are drawn to story. Stories are always being told. I think for us, uh, impulse for us as people in our own lives, it makes us want our books to have a plot that makes us and our lives make sense, right? How many of you have walked out of a movie before and you're like, 
I don't even know what happened, right? And to you, that's not a good experience because you want that plot. You want to know where it was going, what it meant. Some of them don't do that well. We want purpose and meaning in our lives. We need to feel that we're getting somewhere, making progress. There's something in us that's not satisfied with uh, merely a psychological explanation to our lives. But we want something bigger. It doesn't do justice to us that we're on some kind of journey or quest. We talk about that a lot. I actually use those words a lot. But oftentimes that falls flat for us because we're like, I understand I'm on a journey, I'm on it, but I want to know the purpose of it, right? Sometimes it's not revealed immediately, sometimes it's over time, but we want that deeper meaning to our lives so then we can figure out, do we feel good about ourselves and our own story? Central question for us should not be what personality dynamics explain my behavior throughout life, but maybe the question is what story am I living? What's the story I'm living within my own life? If you think back on your life, there's probably different versions of yourself. There's your version of you as a child being cared for by your parents. There's the version of you who is the rebellious teenager, maybe. There's a version of you who's the 20-somethings that doesn't know how the world works, but they think they do. And then so on and so forth. I haven't gotten beyond the 30s yet, so I... <laughs> Heard a few groans there, that's good. Um, so, what story am I in? Uh, Diane Polly is the mom in the movie. And telling the story you heard in the, the trailer, just how she was a person full of life, right? Full of life, and there was something attractive about her, not with looks necessarily, but also just that personality and that energy when you're around her. She seemed to be an extroverted, fun-loving person, as she was, but yet there was a well that went very deep with secrets, which we all have. I wouldn't want my whole story of my life to be revealed to everyone, right? Nobody wants that. But there are parts and hidden parts in the shadows of our lives that we like to just tuck away and not pay attention to. But if we are to look at our whole lives and our whole story, it can help us understand the purpose God has laid before us. So life is messy, and Diane Polly's narrative is messy. Stories told again and again have a way of needing, needing things up. I almost went this route with the sermon last week with Jesus' Revolution, but it took on a whole different meaning for me later in the week. But sometimes as Christians, we like to make things neat. We don't want the messy part of our faith. We don't want the messy part of our history. We want to make it look neat and nice. And that's one of the problems I do have with faith-based movies. It tends to do that. But this movie shows the story of Diane and her life is messy. You, you, can't, you can't tidy it up. We can't tidy up our whole story as a church. Instead, we need to embrace it. We let, we let everything remain. By the end of this movie, Stories We Tell, you're left with a feeling that there's still so much more we don't know about Diane. 
that it only cracked open just the surface, right? That there's more to her than even what her family knew, even what her closest friends, her husband knew. We all have our own lives that are secret from others, even those that we love. But the father in the movie realizes a bit into it that this is a wonderful story that's been given to him. And he was a good writer, and Diane, his wife, wanted him to write. But he was, both of them were stuck in kind of a system of tradition that you just had to do these things. Like he had to get a proper job so he could provide for his family. So he didn't write as much as she would like him to. But this story plopped in front of him, and now he started to write. He started to write out his whole life story, interrogating it, looking at it from a different perspective at the the second half of his life. It sets him on a quest to contextualize the whole story, not just from his version, but from others as well. At the end of this movie, there's this clip I'm going to show about him talking to his daughter. Actually, he's reading, he wrote kind of the narrative script for the movie, so it's him in the recording booth reading it, but it's also something he had written to his daughter, Sarah. And in some ways, that's, you know, that's why this whole question of uh, uh, was I your father, wasn't I? It's, uh, becomes very sort of an unimportant part of the past for me anyway, you know. I mean, I think it's much more important for you. For me, it's just one of those things that happens along with life. So don't feel sorry for me. If you have pity, it should be for Harry, who loved and lost Diane, and then missed out on the childhood of that Sarah he'd produced. Had that been my lot, I would have been mortified when I read that DNA result. I've been a very lucky man, and of course, for one of my luckiest moments, I have to thank Harry Gulkin for loving Diane. Sarah's only what she is because of that night of love between Diane and Harry. Had I been her biological father, she would have been entirely different. She might have been better or worse, but she would definitely not have been the Sarah she is today. And that's the one I love. Of the other possible outcome, there's nothing. You may decide you want to keep this letter to yourself or to share it. It's yours and yours the choice. You know, look, Dad, can you just go back over that one line? I was being so real. I completely convinced myself. You may decide you want to keep this letter to yourself or to share it. It's yours and yours the choice. You know, look, while telling me your news on Thursday, you twice hugged me as hard as you ever did in your childhood. That alone made your revelation worth a thousand words. So, there you have it. All I know of what happened or what has been reported to me has been told. I think I wrote this story because it really says so many interesting things about the human condition. But maybe there was another reason. Perhaps deep inside I have suffered more of a shock than I would openly admit. I sometimes stop and realize that something inside has for the rest of my life changed. 
A certain cord that runs between Sarah and me has been severed and I'm powerless to join it together. It's not a real thing. It only exists because we have developed this facet called imagination and that is all too real and tangible. It gives pain. It's brief and soon I'm back again at the keyboard reliving the past 40 years. But I suppose it will always be lurking to catch me unawares. So perhaps this story is a form of denial. How ironic it is that the final revelation of its aftermath have brought Sarah and I closer together and resulted in me writing volumes as Diane always wanted me to. It has given me a new lease on life. So he was able to reframe his whole life, even when he found out his daughter wasn't his biological daughter. He reframed it to be thankful and grateful for Harry, who was the biological father. Then also to have empathy for him as well. That he had to miss out on so many things in her life. But yet it was a blessing for him to have the daughter and the person she grew up to be today. We could do that with our own stories. Our stories don't have to be perfect. Sometimes we feel that need in Christianity or church that our stories must be perfect to please God. That's not the case because the whole Christian story is about fall, redemption, grace, love. Without, you can't have those things necessarily with perfection. You need the warts and all to feel the real power and impact of God's work in our lives. So there isn't much of a teaching, I guess, I give you today, but more of just a question for you all. And the question is, what story is your life telling? Are you intentional with that story? Is your life telling a story of grace, love, redemption? Is it telling a story of fear? Fear and isolation. What story is your life telling? And then more broadly, for all of us here, what story is the life of New Hope telling? As we welcome a candidate uh, pastor next week, this should be on our minds as we enter this new chapter as a church. We've had a wonderful 26 years of a story with Pastor Russ and Pastor Eric in there for 15 of those years. What's this next chapter look like and what story do we want to tell? I know our mission is uh, find a home, build life, and make a difference, and we want to make a difference in our community, and that's a story we tell. But it matters how we talk about ourselves, talk about our community, because in different ways, when we let out, let's say, complaints or uh, questions that sound like complaints, it could tell a different story to others that aren't a part of this community. So when we, when we talk about things that we're, we're stressed with, and I do, the, this is one of my uh, negatives of my personality. When I get stressed, when I get overwhelmed, when I get burnt out, I am very cynical, very cynical, and very complainy, uh, as my wife can attest. Um, and so when you do that, you're telling a different story. And so if we're here at New Hope wondering what's going on, we had this transition, uh, we didn't feel like it went the best, 
We have this new pastor coming. Why isn't our church growing? Because the whole broader community is growing more and more. That's telling a story to people, and that's not a very provocative story. That's a story that's essentially saying, hmm, I'm going to kind of stay away from that place. But instead, what if the story we continue to tell is the goodness and grace of God that we experience here? as a community, and the ways in which we try to make a difference in our community, to love others, to invite people to a big table, to put people first. All the good things that make us a very specific and unique church community. That's the story we should be telling. Our pledge drive is coming up soon. Don't groan. I know everybody's like, ah, oh, money again, or, or pledges. But the theme this year is renew hope. Because going through transition for any church is hard. Losing a pastor of 26 years is always hard. And so we have to find a way for us as a church community to renew our hope. To renew it in a way where there's more, there's energy and excitement about what we do here and what we invite people to do here. And so this is a broader theme that I've, I've challenged Board of Stewards that maybe we should do for all of our ministries in the church for the next year. How are we going to renew our hope? How are we going to renew our hope that God has not abandoned us, that God continues to be with us, and that God has a promise for our future? Thank you for listening to Voices of Hope. If you have enjoyed our podcast, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. If you want to know more about New Hope, you can subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, The Midweek Memo, by going to our website and signing up. Friends, May you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and may you go and love your neighbor as yourself. Go in peace.